That fat alcoholic couldn't play today. Are you kidding? He would get killed. Well, that wasn't, but he's not playing that. Was that the question? The question oh, is, all time, all time MLB, I don't even, he's not even going to make, he wouldn't make my 40 man. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck. Leela McRae is with me here tonight. And Leland, let's start off by closing out the winter, except for one of our teams who is still playing. Uh, but let's close it out for the boys' side first before we go to the good news, because uh, we should always end on a high note. So for the boys, we called Riverheads Matthews. That was a game Riverheads led most of the way until about early slash mid fourth. And then Matthews got the lead and Matthews never gave it up. Uh, that that was just a classic tale of Riverheads and your and my opinion, not putting it away when they needed to. And then it was another story where Riverheads likes to rely on Grant Painter. They've grown accustomed to it. Most nights Grant Painter can get him out of that jam. That night was not one of them. Yeah, I mean, he played his heart out, and all the guys did. I mean, all of them tried to. They just didn't have enough offensive firepower other than him. His brother Adam, who will be a big part of the team next year, he just couldn't hit a shot in the second half. I I, I don't know. Did he hit a three in the second half? If he did, it was maybe only one. I don't think he did. And um, even in the first half, he missed a bunch. Uh, And and I'm not putting it all on him. I just – when you look at the game before that, him and his brother's – both scored a bunch of points and no one else really scored. So, you know, it's just easy to look to him next. Um, they could have used more offense out of Dunlap. They could have used more out of um, Adams, any of the kids. Um, but, you know, they, they didn't have it. And, and Grant wasn't as on fire as he's been. He had moments where he was first half, ex- especially, um, but it just wasn't enough offensively defense. They, they tried and early it, the defense looked really good. It really helped when they got their uh, Matthew star player on the bench with foul trouble, but still they, they were playing, trying to play good defense. It just, the other team found ways to score and they did enough to win. And, and I think Riverheads could have won that game and you would have made the argument, the better team won, but the Matthews won. And Riverheads didn't come away with it. Yeah, it's disappointing for Riverheads that they didn't win that game, but I think I think if those teams play 10 times, it's probably split 5-5. So I think that's a coin yeah, toss between yeah. those two. And and again, I think if if we're being perfectly honest, it did feel like there were parts of that game that were Matthews versus Grant Painter. And I'm not saying one beat the other because I thought they that was a great matchup to watch. Uh, both kids play with a lot of passion both were chirping when they were on the floor together uh again you mentioned it in that first half Matthews was not a factor because he picked up two fouls in the first I felt like minute of the game so he was out for most of that I think the rest of that first half and he came back in the second half played a lot better that's when he started scoring and that's kind of when Matthews got back into the game I I know I come from an extremely biased point of view here I just don't recall a basketball game where, and I've called Riverheads losing basketball games, and I've called our local teams losing basketball games, and usually I find some redeeming value in the opposing team, like, oh, that kid's really good, or I really like that kid. 
I couldn't find anything on that other team that I really liked. And I'm not trying to be just like mean about the kids, but the coach drove me nuts. And I mean, at least that's a grown person that I'm talking about. He drove me nuts. He ran his mouth the entire time. At one point, he wasn't, he didn't have his arms around the officials, but his shoulder, he was up against the official with his arm, like his shoulders curled around the official yelling up into his face. I don't know how he didn't get a technical there. Um, and then even even the some of the players, I just didn't like the crowd interaction that they had and the way they chose to show their emotions. I just I didn't come away with that with a lot of redeeming quality of like, oh, yeah, I'm rooting for Matthews now. You know, they you know, they're solid. And it'd be good for that kid. I I kind of hope for them to get beat in the next game. And, and I, I admit I'm extremely biased. I just I just didn't like much of what I was seeing over there. And um. Yeah, that's that's just that's just what I'm saying. And I, and I, like I said, I've seen we've done some big time um, in the past RE Lee games where they lost or, you know, a region final um, there. They lost and then they went on to go to the States and I, even playing that team. I was like, oh, that guy was good. And that, you know, I, I root for my local team and I'm biased for our local teams. But usually if they get beat or something, I, I'll give credit to the other team. I, I just I didn't like much what I was seeing on Matthew's side. I think your bias has something to do with that here because sure. I, I think maybe part of your problem was the student sections yelling at each other. Um, and that kind of bled in. I, I didn't have a problem with Matthew's players on the floor showing emotion and celebrating because they were doing it toward their own fans. Now, if they were looking at the Riverheads fans or Riverheads officials or bench and, and taunting them. Okay. I get it. But when they're doing it to their own fans and playing up to their own fans, I, that's whatever. I it's don't just, care. Uh, uh, many of the actions seemed premeditated and less just natural. And that's, well, I we haven't seen them. We haven't seen them play all year. Maybe that's something they do on the regular basis. I don't know. Maybe so. Well, another one of our local teams went down on Friday night and it was less of a good game. Uh, George draft was up against a powerhouse and, and John Marshall and John Marshall didn't disappoint. They scored 136 points against that Grinnell system. And I know that Grinnell system allows for a lot of offense from the opposing team and they just plan to score more than you. It didn't work that way. And John Marshall is just too much. I think for most of class two, if not all of class two, by the, by the end of this week, we'll know. Um, yeah. And I, and I called 130, 30 points earlier that day. I was talking with someone from Richmond that was familiar with John Marshall. And I said, I don't know, man, they're going to put up 130 tonight. And he, and that guy was like, Oh no, that'd be terrible for a high school game. I was like, man, it's happening. And man, I was right. And, and that's not disrespect to draft. They knew they were going to give up points. You saw the article from Patrick height with, uh, coach Gale, and they knew that they were going to give up points. They just knew that they were going to have to be hot shooting and, and get some stops where they needed it. Those didn't happen. And they got, pretty much run out the gym i don't know they just put 99 on the board they just didn't stop him that was the thing that didn't got happen. beat by 37 still yeah you get <laughs> beat mean, by 40 you get you beat by 40 score 99 that needs to be enough to at least make it a game uh i mean i've seen giving up 110 before giving up 136 is a lot and that's I guess that's my one frustration i know playing the way draft plays got them to the state tournament but I think somewhere in that game, after they had beaten the press for, I don't know, maybe the 20th straight time, I wasn't there, but oop, oop, oop. I'm guessing they scored 136. <laughs> I'm guessing there weren't a whole lot of empty possessions for John Marshall in a 32 minute game if you score 136. So I think maybe after the 20th time of beating it, I would have just said, okay, this isn't working. Let's play some 2 3 zone. 
or I mean, but, <laughs> but back to your original point, Stuart Stroud ain't scoring 99 points unless they run that system. And John Marshall. Okay, but if you give up 136, points. who cares? John Marshall had scored over 100 points in four of their last five games, not against teams that weren't yeah. scoring in the in the Grinnell system. So honestly, I think draft had their best chance running the offense they run. I just don't think my offense. The offense isn't the perfect. problem; it's the defense. But I get your point. Well, it goes hand in hand. The way they run that, it goes hand in hand. So draft had an up year. I, I, I'll give them that. Um, I think they're going to lose some key pieces there, but they'll be back in that system and they'll still be a threat. They're never at the bottom of the district running that right. system. And that's but fine. I mean, I, I just kind of wrapping these two teams up. I think draft will be in the upper half next year of the Shenandoah district again, mm-hmm. even with the pieces they're losing. Mm-hmm. Riverheads will be interesting because they've been led by Grant Painter for three years. And I know they got the other pieces, but they're losing Grant Painter. They're losing Deacon Moore, who was a solid presence on the team, and he's he's a heck of a leader. I'll be interested to see what his brother brother Painter can do. I know he's a good shooter. I know he can put up numbers. He is a little bit more of a spot-up shooter than what his brother. His brother can go get you a basket, and Adam's going to have to develop that part of his game if he wants to step into that role. And if he doesn't step into that role, they're going to have to find somebody that can put the team on their back. Cause I didn't see that in this latter half of the season. And um, we'll just have to see what it's going to be. I'm, I guess I'm less optimistic about a return trip to a, or, you know, a back-to-back region championships. I'm, I'm a little pessimistic about that, even with my biasness, but I do think, I don't know if Riverheads will fall back in the district cause they already finished at the bottom of the district. I just don't see them rising to the top of the district next year, just based on what I've saw down the stretch. I don't, I mean, we'll see. Wilson graduates a lot. That's the other team that, you know, just off the top of my head graduates an awful lot from their team. I don't see them. If it's not Wilson that they're hopping, I don't see them hopping anybody in that district because Fort is fairly young. Yeah. Fort's fairly young. Stanton will be better. Uh, Draft, as you say, draft running that system is never going to be at the bottom of the Shenandoah district. So, I mean, that's three of the teams right and there. Admittedly, admittedly, the region isn't decided on what they do in the district, but I'm just kind of going piece by piece there. I mean, they'll probably still vie for the region. I mean, they'll probably still yeah, play the semifinals. That region's you know, bad. Because the region's weak. But to get past these Sussex and Carvers and to, like, to get out of that region might might be a little tougher next year. But we'll see. I mean... Honestly, this year I probably would have had a similar thing. Man, they they don't have some of the talent they had in previous years, and then they they won the region, which they never done before. So maybe they'll surprise me. Maybe there's another piece of the puzzle that I'm not aware. Of, but uh, I am not just going out a limb. Team next year, let's see how you lose Grant Painter and become such a better team. I agree. I think it's not all right. Going to be a thing. So the positive thing. Let's get to that. Um, we kind of gate. I oh, do. We blew. We did kind of go. go we started talking about draft, and then we kind of turned it back to Riverheads. I didn't have. Uh, I will I say was trying to close them out. Okay, yeah. then stay here. Stay with boys. I, I will say last week I said I thought East Rock or maybe Gate City or Radford would win. I didn't think John Marshall would win. Seeing them score 136 made me a believer. Uh, John Marshall will win. They're going to beat East Rock, and they will beat whoever comes out of Radford Gate City. I was wrong. Yeah, and and I said that a week ago. So, 
that 6'10 guy, Roosevelt Wheeler, he's a junior still. I I just he'll be good. If it was just him, if it was just him, I would say, all right, well, East Rock can do this or this. But then they got two great guards, and like they they have three guys that I know legitimately are D1 players. I've heard numbers like eight D1 players. I don't know if that's accurate, but I know of three from my research a week ago that they have three guys that are going to go play D1 basketball. East Rock doesn't have that. They have one. It's, maybe, it's not as obvious. Maybe it's not two. As obvious. How about that? Yeah, they have one. Maybe two. A borderline and I'm saying D1, like ACC, SEC schools are talking to these guys. Like, I guess D1 is huge in college basketball, but I mean, I'm, I'm talking higher level D1 players. They have three. East Rock has one. And I, I don't I don't think they have two high level D ones. I think they have I don't think they have they two can... high levels, but I think they have another D1 player. I, your definition of D1, you're talking power five. Yeah, which I'm you should which you should say power five. Right. You should yeah. say power five because D1 right. does JUMU, believe it or not, is a D1 basketball program. Yes. And we'll talk about I, I guess them I still more am later. Like in the A10 and some of the, some of those other conference, like a multi bid conference. Sure. Quality player. Like that's that's what I'm saying. So it's not limited to power five, but generally power five. Right. Um, let's talk about the girls because they won yes, and they keep the playing. Let's... Yeah, they keep playing. So. They're going to play Surrey again. Uh, that's going to be a tough test for them. But, hey, they're in a state semifinal. And on even, any given night, if you play your best game and you win, you can move forward. And Surrey's a team that, that, that's had Riverheads' number. But I don't, I don't recall any big blowouts from Surrey against Riverheads. It seems like they're always battling. Surrey's just a little bit better. I know they played last year. I know they played a couple times this year. Or this will be the second time this year. I... I think they got their shot. They have their shot. Mm -hmm. And just like you said, you get in that one game. And for a team that has been close to this team many times before, I think it bodes well. I think they know what it takes to to beat them. They know what it takes. Now they just have to execute that. Um, they're going to need big games out of Hannah Grubb and mm -hmm. Berkeley Tyree. They had it last game. They had 17 points out of the both of them. Grubb with that big shot in, in the second overtime to kind of give them the bigger lead with that three by that three pointer. And then I think it was a lot of foul and extending the game from there. And Riverheads was able to close it out the line, but they're going to need the big games out of them. But every game, it seems like I see the Riverheads girls play or hear about them. It's just the good team effort. And, and so they're just going to need that. It's just that good team defense is what they're going to need. And uh, they're going to have to slow Surrey down and keep the numbers low. I, they can't get this game above the fifties. And I think win this thing, I think they need to win this game in the forties. I think they got to keep Surrey kind of within reach of them because Riverheads just isn't a scoring powerhouse. Every time I've seen them, they just, it's not that they're lighting up the net. So I think they need to keep the scoring back and that's their good defense. And then just make sure they have kind of a constant flow of offense that stays with them and give themselves a chance to win. I mean, it's the state semifinals. Obviously Surrey's good. They played them enough times. They know that team's good. And, and whoever wins this game and goes to the next, they're going to play a good team. So it's just that that point of the year. So um, I, I, I'm i really pulling for Riverheads. Coach Preston in his first year there, Preston Woods, uh, he was an assistant at Ford. His is coming over to Riverheads. And, you know, he's got them back where they were last year. And uh, they have an opportunity to go past that. I, I, I don't look at this game as some insurmountable feat. I think this is something Riverheads can do on Tuesday night. Yeah, they can win this game. I think the last time was, yeah, it was a six-point loss. So it's not like it was some, you know, decisive blowout like Surrey did to Rappahannock. Or not Rappahannock, but uh, Lancaster. Lancaster. So, yeah, I, I think that they've got a shot. And then, 
we'll see what happens. Uh, this is a region B matchup. The other one is a region D matchup with Patrick Henry and Honaker. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But again, if you're Riverheads girls, you're not really worried about who comes out of region D right now. You're just focused on trying to beat Surrey and then get to the Siegel center. That's because that's what matters. And that game at Siegel center would be on Thursday at six o'clock. So by the time you're listening to this, you probably are, actually we're dropping early. So um, this game might not have happened yet, but soon after this is released uh, within 24 hours, Riverheads will have played. And so make sure if Riverheads wins that game, they need a big old crowd down there at Siegel center. That'd be exciting time down there. Um, You know, Riverheads girl sports continues to be good. Their volleyball is good. Their softball was really good last year and has a history of being good. And the basketball team, I mean, they were in the state semifinals last year. They've been there before. Um, around the 2010 area, they they were going deep a couple years in a row, as was their volleyball at that time. I mean, the girls' sports at Riverheads is is really impressive. And I think where we talk about the Shenandoah District getting Riverheads teams kind of elevated so when they get into region and state play, they're really ready to go. I think it, on the girls' side, it's really obvious because I think the girls' programs play at a high level. They compete for Shenandoah District championships. I mean, they were atop the Shenandoah District early in the Shenandoah district season this year and, and beat good teams. They, you know, they, they played everybody tough and beat good teams. They didn't win the district, but uh, they still had a good non-district season and started out hot in the Shenandoah. You know, I think uh, the girls programs have done really good at Riverheads and, and this is a great example of that. But then you look at the other side, you look at region D that you see Patrick Henry. That's a familiar name for these Riverheads girls to see in some of these sports um, you know, they're, they have really good, uh, female sports there. So, um, it, it's just good to see though, like a, a kind of a trend at Riverheads that the girls sports are really excelling. Yeah. And I think they have a good chance. I will say my, my word of advice would be, don't have this one going to double overtime Friday to Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. You have, you know, some days off there in between a Tuesday to Thursday would be a quick turnaround for a double yeah. overtime game. If that's what it takes, that's what it takes. But yeah, <laughs> avoid it if possible. Uh, yeah. Yeah, try to try to close it out in the fourth. All right, so that was our high school basketball coverage. We'll have uh, at least talk about the girls next week uh, from Riverheads as we hope they're able to win two more games and bring home back a state title to Greenville, which would be incredible. So uh, listen for that. We have more high school coverage later in the podcast as uh, we're going to break down the spring sports looking ahead and uh, that these boys and girls are going to have to jump into late. Uh, but now let's jump into NCAA basketball, and we now know what the ACC tournament's going to look like. And uh, Virginia Tech, they beat UNC uh, earlier this season. I think it's going to be a little bit tougher now, but they have them in the first round, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. And, uh, you know, Virginia Tech trying to try to find a way to win that game. Yeah, they're the 11 seed playing a 14 seed, but I think it'll still feel kind of like an upset. <laughs> I mean, I know UNC is having a rough season, but – they have all their they have they have a lot of their talent back. They've had moments of playing good down the stretch, not enough moments. Um, Virginia Tech's kind of looked the opposite. Uh, they had built their lead early in the conference season, so uh, this will be an interesting game Tuesday night. It will. Uh, I think one of the reasons you feel that way, and rightfully so, is that. This game's in Greensboro, North Carolina. So that is basically a home game for UNC, not Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is going to have a very road game feel. And I think another factor there... We've lost 10 of 12. Well, yeah, (laughs) and we haven't played very good in the second half of the season. Yeah, so... 
basically, including the UNC win, we didn't look good in that game. So, yeah, I am worried about that. And I think there are some legit concerns there that you bring up. Uh, Man, if we could have beaten Notre Dame, we could have had that 10 spot and not had to worry about this either. But uh, we didn't. And so now you're here and you're playing UNC. If Virginia Tech wins, they get the sixth seed in Syracuse the very next day. And this this best case scenario for Virginia Tech, you're winning one tournament game. You're not going to beat Syracuse. The Maui yeah, we Invitational. Lost to them both times we played them. Yeah, the Maui. Well, that. No, no, no. We beat them. We beat them at Syracuse. My bad. Well, the Maui Invitational is another reason I feel that way because that was early in the season when we were playing well. We go out, we beat a very good Michigan State team, and then the next night, Dayton, who is one of the best teams in the country, it turns out, ran us off the floor. And then BYU we lose. Isn't too damn bad either. And we we lose to BYU after that. What are you BYU trying to use a tournament team? Okay. They're not run us off the floor good like they did, is my point. I don't think They're this like team one has of the top this, offensive teams in the nation. This BYU team does is. not have the staying power for a tournament run on consecutive days. They will, if that, if they win on Tuesday, they are done. I was going to get to that. Um, there was the optimistic Hokie, which I think we interacted with through our EX sports uh, podcast page. Mm. And he said, you know, yeah, tech doesn't get the first round by, but that just means they get to win five days in a row for the ACC championship. And I was like, I tweeted, I was like, there's a difference between optimism and wasting your, your time in, in saying things. And like, I, I'm optimistic about the Hokies. So my ceiling here is if they could win two ACC games, that would be a dream. That would be unbelievable. That would be awesome. I'd be so happy that we're able to rebound at the end of the season. And, you know, in my mind, kind of upset two teams, definitely upset a six seed. But yeah, we're not winning five straight. I mean, I mean that like that just doesn't happen. What UConn I think did that once in the Big East when they were injured most of the year, and then they got everybody back at the end, and they made that run. And Kimball Walker took all. I think we didn't know who Kimball Walker was before that. Like that just doesn't happen, and it really doesn't happen in a team full of freshmen. Like it just just it's not going to go that way. Yeah. So while you say if they win one and they're done the next day, that's the Joe way of saying. But even the Leland, the most optimistic way, is only saying one more game. Like, uh, the dream here is to win two games. And and I would be surprised and elated and hooping and hollering if that's to happen. But uh, it's just not likely. So, And barring a run to, I'd say, the ACC semifinals, I don't think this team's an NIT team. So I, I think that's what it would take to even get into the NIT conversation. I think they're firmly out of the NIT conversation right now. Uh, and again, I said, if they beat UNC, Syracuse will beat them, in my opinion. And then that they're in the CBI probably, and I don't know if you take that. It's not a money-making I venture. It. I take it. Okay, take it. well, they're not, they're not going to practice. They don't care about that. They care about dollars and cents, and that's going to be a loss of revenue. The CBI does not make you money. It's not on television. It's not. It's a game that you would maybe play at home or maybe on the road, depending on what seed you are in that. And it's just not a money-making venture for a school from the ACC. Schools from the ACC turn this down. Schools from the ACC. Okay, well, they're not going to do that because schools from the ACC turn the CBI down. They're going to do it. They're not going to deny it. Schools from the ACC it. turn it down all the time, Leland, because it's not a money-making venture. They don't give a rip about a week or two. Some of the that week or two is not going to save this program. 
If it comes down so to that, we're not in the CBI, then you'll be right. When we are, I'll be right because we're going to be in it. I don't think we're going to accept the CBI because I don't they think are. the people in charge think a week or two matters because I think they realize the money matters more than a week or two. The off-season conditioning programs that these kids go through with these teams, they're going to get that work one way or another. I don't think playing directional state from North Dakota or whatever is going to help these kids in any shape, way, or form. You're basically playing other horrifically terrible basketball teams or schools that are basically the same talent level as a D2 or D3 school. You don't get anything out of this tournament other than losing money. And who are we and playing, playing these games close for? together and you have to like kind of get ready for a team like on two nights or something and be ready to play them. Something that we've already shown we're not good at doing this season, playing on back to backs. I don't need that. Teams that we're not ready for. Hey, it'd be a good opportunity to just get condition them. Just condition them on the offseason and play next year. We're this year is lost either way. This season is lost. I'd rather have Mike practice. Young working with these kids, not playing some D2 talent school from you know no, i'd rather have game atmosphere i'd rather have game condition no game prep game ready i i 100 southeast louisiana you. state does not matter i'm but not getting up for ass. southeast i'm not getting up for southeast louisiana state on espn12.com which you have to you know go on some <laughs> it's still better in flow sports you have to go on the dark <laughs> web to find the game on tv uh, to be able to watch it i'm not for that Anything you have to go onto the dark web for, I'm pass. Not don't get in that tournament. The coronavirus scare is not worth it. Don't play in some CBI goofballs tournament. Public service announcement: Anything we say about the coronavirus, do not listen to because we don't know anything enough about. Yeah, it listen to the to CDC listening. and doctors. Don't listen to us. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. We'll be in the CBI after next week. We'll uh, see. JMU. They finished up their season. Mercy rule. They actually were leading Elon late in that game and then gave it away after the game. I- I'll tell you, I kind of went full circle on row now and not full circle. Oh 180. How about that? I was, where's the row watch? You know, we got to get him out of here as soon as possible. The way that everybody has reported how he's handled this, everything that I've seen directly from him, the words he said, the matter of factness that he was in the post game conference, basically acknowledging that this was it. And, uh, he out of respect to his bosses, he wasn't going to comment further. But after a season like this, you know what's about to happen. You know, you know what you're coming to. The fact that it could be phrased as a mutually parting of ways. The fact that TJ Eck and uh, Shane Mitten from DNR both had very positive things about his reaction after the news was born and that he was go- let go. I don't feel. I, I don't know if I feel bad for him. I just, I do kind of have like a man. It, it's so, it, it, it stinks that it just didn't work out for this guy. This guy really does care about JMU. This was probably one of his, you know, dream kind of situations. Like go back and coach at the alma mater. And it, it just never worked. It just never worked. And it's time for the move. I'm, I'm never saying that he shouldn't be gone. I'm just saying I do, I do have a, a I, I don't feel sorry for him, but I do feel for him a bit. I, I just, it's sad to see that the guy's dream didn't work out for him. And it, it stinks because we all wanted it to work for him. That's the thing. We all wanted JMU to be, be good. We all wanted him to come in here and make him look good. But I do have a, a level of uh, uh, reaction to this that I didn't have a week ago. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm not happy. Like, I'm never sitting here going like, oh, thank goodness this guy lost his job. He's an idiot. He doesn't he deserve to have a job. Goes. Yeah, well, when Fuente goes, that'll be a different story. But, (laughs) 
yeah, when I, you know, I'm not sitting here like having a parade that Lewis Rowe was fired. Um, I, I wanted him to be successful too. I would have loved for him, JMU, to prove me wrong with the Madison man being hired and him taking this team to the tournament once in four years for the first time he's ever been in a tournament as a coach. That would have been cool. Uh, but it, it wasn't working. And some of the comments, you know, a lot of the comments are, you know, oh, this stinks. I wish it could have worked. You know, the players really liked him. I don't know. And one guy is sitting, I saw one on social media, and it was a guy who claimed to have access, and a lot of people who claim to have access don't have access. So whatever. But he was saying an assistant coach was trying to undermine him, and they should have given him one more year. The guy had four years. This was his, the seniors yeah, were his no, class. It's time. It's time. He, yeah. he has a disastrous losing record every single year at JMU he's been there and it just wasn't working so they had to part ways I don't know where Lewis Rowe goes from here uh we'll see I'm sure he'll get a job somewhere somewhere he'll be on a staff somewhere but it's I don't know where that is uh I don't know who JMU brings in I know that I think Barber's the one who put suggested UVA assistant coach or Radford's assistant coach. Radford I, head coach, UVA assistant. There is no way Radford's head coach is coming. I don't think that's a not like that's maybe a lateral move, probably not. It's a downward it's move. One, it's a step down. Radford is better than we are. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't see Radford's coach coming. I think that would be a good get for JMU if they can use the positives about JMU job that are that are obvious, the new arena and the potentials of maybe going to a bigger conference and maybe if you can pay him more than Radford is, that would be a good get. I don't think they're going to get him. I think you're going to get some assistant from a, that's going to try to build his way up. And I mean, Lewis Rowe came from the staff at Richmond, I think. No, it was Bowling Green. Was it Bowling Green? So like it, I, you and I, I think, I don't know if we said it on the podcast last week. I know we said it to each other, like in a UVA assistant. And I just threw out a UVA assistant. I didn't have a name to throw at it. I just said one of the UVA assistants since they're such a good program now. And I I don't know, like if we're, they if would the coach that down. we just got was from a small school as an assistant and then came to Virginia Tech, I, I don't, or came to, uh, excuse me, JMU. I don't know if if JMU is a good enough job to get a high level turn him down. D1 assistant because they they can they can probably go somewhere better. So yeah, they might get I, a UVA. Really they might get a UVA grad assistant, but they're not going to get an actual assistant coach. I mean, they're just not that level. Uh, there's no way, no way that a UVA assistant coach is going to take that job. Just no way. Uh, what is the selling? I know you're saying the new arena and all that. Hey, this is a program who's been to one tournament in the last 30 plus years. Interested? No. Are you interested in building a team from the absolute ground floor? No. Jobs get filled, though, with, I mean, these coaches think they can do it different. The coaches have that mindset of the competitiveness and what they're capable of doing that, that the fact that they have only been in the tournament one time in the last 20 years doesn't mean 30. as much to them because they think they have the right way to come in there. And like, you can use JMU as a stepping stone as the, the football team has proven. You can use it as a stepping stone. Now JMU is not going to win a national championship because in D one basketball, you got to beat Kansas to, to win the championship. JMU can beat, uh, you know, 
South Dakota State, or, you know, I mean, I, they don't beat North Dakota, but, you know, whoever they won when they did win the national championship, you know, it's different for football, Youngstown but you can State. still use yeah. JMU as a stepping stone just the same. I mean, there is positive things about this job. I think you're, I think you're, pessimism about jmu and the fact that they're not in a bigger conference is weighing you down here like you're we were dead last in one of the worst conferences for college basketball interested but hey if it makes you feel better i've been told that there's a lot of talent on this team you're playing in a bad conference that's mean you can win it and that way you can use it as a stepping stone but that's that's the problem it's a bad conference and we can't win it we are a tire fire the coach that comes in here is gonna think he can there are dumpster fires that aren't as bad as what this basketball program is right now. This basketball program is so bad, I actually think that if they scrapped it all together, it would be a better use of the money because I don't think this team is a tournament team in the next four years. So they build a brand new facility for basketball to be played in. You think they should just get rid of the program? Uh, let the women use it. The women's <laughs> is a successful program. The men aren't. The men but are you, just terrible. They have twice as many games in that building and selling concessions <sighs> and selling tickets, and you think they should scrap the program. Let the intramural team play there. Virginia Tech's not going to accept the CBI because it's a waste of money. Meanwhile, let's build this big stadium at JMU but cut half the games that are going to be played in the building because they haven't been good. Yeah, come on, Joe. I mean, they haven't been good in the last thirty plus years. This team is a mistake. Every, the one tournament appearance coach, in that sp- span was a mistake. Any coach they talk to in this interview process will think that they have what it takes to make them a tournament team. I think the UVA assistant coach will look at this job and say, "I'm better than this," and he would be right. Maybe, maybe there, maybe there. I, I'm not really arguing that point. I kind of actually agree that I. Don't I think, think the Radford head coach would look at that and go. I've already built a team that could smoke you. No. Hard pass. I mean, when you do see, and we're going to be about to talk about them just here in a second, Liberty, they're, I think, I guess their head coach is a former UVA assistant, and he was assistant to... Uh, um, yeah, but that's a team that had had success before. They've been to I tournaments mean, they before. They weren't as bad as JMU, but they weren't, they're, they weren't making back-to-back tournaments until now. Okay. They didn't have cool. I, I wish JMU had been to multiple tournaments, period, in the last 30 years. We haven't. We're terrible. And we have one tournament win under our belt because they count that win over LIU Brooklyn in the 16 seed play in as a tournament win. In reality, when you get to the field of 64, we haven't won a tournament game in God knows how long, if ever. And I don't think we're going to win one because we're a There's 16 be- seed because we're in the CAA. So we're going to play some There's one seed. Be, unless we play UVA, we're not going to win. There's going to be equivalently bad programs with job openings this offseason. And none of them are going to have a brand new arena. None of them are going to be sitting in the proximity to D.C. on the East Coast. Not none of them, but not many of them. Like, you can sell this job, man. Like, someone's going to come into this job that, that is worth something. It's not going to be a high school coach stepping up into this thing like you think like maybe they just, should hire Kerry gonna, keys maybe that gets you nickel good idea that, nickel. that would be a good idea that, there I go. that's that where we go that's that's where we go <laughs> all right jeff Bourne. we're hiring Kerry keys from east rock that's how you get your boy nickel on the team you can bring evic with them because that's probably your speed anyway but it's not about evic it's about nickel this is all for nickel 
let's jump on over to Liberty since we've gotten ridiculous. Uh, Liberty did make the tournament because uh, they won the Atlantic South for the second straight year, so they're on a good little run here. I believe the guy I didn't like on their team from last year is still on that team, uh, so I'm probably not going to be rooting for them, but hey, that's a team no, team for Virginia surprise. already in the tournament. Yeah, Radford lost. That's Radford lost. That was what I was hoping for. I, I have uh, my sister and her husband are from Radford. They're Radford graduates. I always root for Radford in their honor. Yeah, I'd and like Radford, just, okay. They they just fell in the semi and it was disappointing. They lost to I think Hampton and then Winthrop beat them. Mm. So Winthrop Winthrop's back in the tournament. We'll see if they can have another upset. They beat what was that? It wasn't Tennessee. Who they beat that one year? It was somebody decent. I don't remember, but I do remember them the going next on a year run. Is Tennessee. They made a run on Tennessee, but they didn't beat them. But the year before, that's when they won. But we'll see what they can do. Uh, Virginia Tech women, I was really getting excited about them. I wanted them to get to like the ACC championship game kind of area. I thought they could make a little bit of a run. And they fell in their opening game as the five seed to Wake Forest, who had played the day before. NC State ended up winning the ACC. So disappointing for Kenny in the game there. I assume they're still in the tournament. Um, but, Probably not. Uh, I guess we're on a wait and see. I was going to say, I think losing as early as they did in the conference might have cost them that. We'll see. I hope not. I hope they made it. I like Kenny yeah. Brooks. I, I still think Virginia Tech women's program is on the up and up. I mean, yep, yep. No, it was a good, uh, no matter what they do, even if they lose the next game out, whatever tournament they're in, it's still an up uptick in their year. Mm-hmm. JMU women, they are in the second seed in the CAA. <sighs> um, and so we'll be rooting for them. I, I, I'm, I saw them play the other day. I don't think they're as good as some of those other women's teams that I've seen come through JMU, uh, but rooting well, for them. No, see what they can do. But yeah. Know? Yeah, they could still win the conference. Yeah. All right. Um, did you watch any XFL? Mm, not this week, but I did see where DC won. So they replaced no Cardale Jones. Has watched it for like the last two weeks. Well, I mean, I'm going to see it this week. So going, I'm going to DC. Oh, you're going to be one of the sixteen thousand at Audi Field. Bring it home, defenders. Who they got this week? Um. I don't know the answer to that question. So it's it's not Cam. Oh my gosh! If it Dillon. is, I would be so excited, Leland. Yeah, that's to look what I'm hoping for, for. Oh man, I might yeah, I might get kicked out of Audi Field because I might be <laughs> jeering when Cam Phillips lights us up for four touchdowns. That would be really cool. I kind of hope it happens. If that's who they're playing, if not, I hope they win. Uh, oh, it's the Renegades. The it's the Dallas Renegades. Oh, Dallas versus DC. There's a built-in rivalry. So you get to see what Landry Landry Jones, if he's healthy, mm. I hope he's been pretty bad. DC might win another game. <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's bad for the league that no one's talking. I think any interest in this league is taking a nosedive. I know that they're set through the end of the season for paying people and the TV money alone can take care of the season. But I, I I'm think they're getting pretty good. At, like three weeks ago. I think they're getting pretty good attendance. Now. I don't think the attendances at the games have dropped off. So I think they're okay. You just have to realize what this is. This is a league where the top, you know, five to ten players maybe in the next year get a shot in the NFL. And by a shot, I mean they get a look and get a get an offer to come to camp and try out. That's what this I is. I just want the league to exist. I want it to exist. I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm I like it. I like, the, I like the rules that they have that are different than the NFL. I, I love it. I keep hoping for an overtime game. I hope the one I go to maybe is an overtime game so I can see the shootout overtime. I am dying to see that. I think that's going to be so cool. It's definitely better you than the NFL overtime. Bad? 
you want to hear about confusingly bad overtime rules, which I don't know if XFL is necessarily bad. I'm just going to tell you what we had. I played in flag football league in Stanton and you had four plays, four plays, mm-hmm. no first downs. Cause in flag football, you have to get to a certain like 20 yards for a first yeah, down, yeah, yeah. no first downs, no anything mm-hmm. yardage wins. You get four plays wherever you end up with the ball. That's yardage or in the end zone. And then the other team either has to match that yardage or points. It was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. That's dumb. Yeah. Oh, it was bad. bad. That's you dumb. think a game that goes into overtime and flag football with a bunch of high school guys trying to relive their memories. And I'm telling you the story that because I was on a team with that. Uh, you think it's good when they, they're spotting the ball and that's what's going to decide who wins? Yeah, no, that wasn't good. Stupid. All right. NASCAR, your boy finished 13th. He continues to run well. And uh, but Bubba was bad at 19th, and uh, our boy Quinn Hoff he had a wreck, so he finished. Yeah, 34th. I was trying to see where because I don't remember the wreck, but on NASCAR.com it did list him at 34th, and it said accident. So that means he got caught in one of these wrecks that I didn't catch his car in, but that's fine. Joey Logano ended up winning the race. We should mention that. Um, but Matt Benedetto, <laughs> he was looking good. He got up to third. He was looking good. Uh, and then Alex Bowman in the 88 is, uh, you know, I used to root for the 88 all the time and maybe I won't now because he kind of ran him into the wall. I don't know what it was about. It's kind of a jerk move, but, um, De Benedetto hung around. They had probably a top 10, top five car there. And then with all the wrecks at the end and the restarts, they didn't get off to a good restart on the last restart and drop back to 13th. That's where they ended up. I, I still like De Benedetto. I think they're going to have a, I think they're going to win at least one race this year. I don't know where, but I think they will win one. Hopefully so. All right, let's jump into the uh, uh, C block this week. We're going to dive deep into high school spring sports, try to give you a good outlook on what we got going. Okay, Leland, we are skipping the B block and going to the C block for a change this week. Let's talk about spring sports. Let's start with the sport of the future, soccer. Stanton boys, uh, this I mean, is... I see him playing soccer over in Italy. I don't see any fans in the stands. I think that sport's doomed. Well, <laughs> we alluded to it earlier. There's a thing called the coronavirus. It is a big deal in Italy. Uh, they're shutting. There's talk that Champions League games will be played in empty stadiums. We'll talk about that here wow. a little bit later, too. But, um, yeah, the Stanton boys, uh, let's talk about them first. They lost a lot, but still, this seems to be one of the teams to beat in the Shenandoah district when it comes to boys soccer. I mean, they had a lot of talent on that team last year. And, I mean, they have Kyle Stenzel at Virginia Tech. They have guys at Mary Baldwin. Who, who well, he was two years well. ago, but yeah. Uh, Kyle played at Lee last year. No. Yes. Last spring. What are we? I'm not, I'm not arguing. <laughs> <laughs> No. Oh, wow. Man, time's moving (laughs) slow. All right. So anyway, uh, they had a lot of talent there. They had a couple guys, I think three guys go play soccer at the next level. Maybe, maybe more than that. Maybe I just don't know, but they still had a good talent left there on that team. Um, and going deep in the playoffs, those couple years had to bring good experience with their guys, you know, had those extra weeks of practice. And so, that team, I feel, still think, is the favorite in the Shenandoah district for soccer. And I think it, I think it's still kind of Wilson is the contender. Fort Defiance being new to that district is what's interesting. But still, I'm putting Stanton as the favorite. 
probably not going to go on some long streak of not allowing goals or something like that. I think it'll be a little more competitive. They'll be brought back down to earth a little bit, but I still expect them to be one of the best teams in the district and probably one of the best teams in the region. All right. But maybe not get out of the region. Getting out of the region is, is is debatable, but I will say they probably will contend for the region. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I do think, like you said, I think they're one of the favorites. <sighs> Man, I can't believe it's only been, it hasn't even been a full year yet. God, time is moving slow. I don't know why I thought arguing with you about your family member was a good idea yeah, either. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway... Wilson soccer is probably the one team that you look at. If there's going to be a challenger, I don't know. Yeah, they do have a new coach. Um, we watched, I watched them play last year in the two. And like you said, they did lose a lot from that squad, but I just didn't see them being in the same realm last year. So I think it would take a big drop off from Stanton and a big uptick from Wilson to overcome that. I think they, I think it'll be closer but I don't think they get over the over the hump and beat Stanton out for that Shenandoah district title this year. I agree. Wilson, the uh, trend I'll do through these uh, previews is some of the big matchups. And I got those Stanton Wilson games as uh, the highlights for the Shenandoah district season, uh, May 1st at Gypsy Hill and May 18th at Fishersville, the two big games to see between those two teams. I would just side note for defiance games, probably be pretty interesting too, as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, girls soccer. Uh, Stewart's draft was the dominant team last year. They went on an undefeated streak for most of the season and they weren't giving up goals. Uh, then they lost late against LaRay and stuff, but the new district there, um, I think again, Fort soccer is going to be interesting there, but I put Stanton girls soccer as the one I want to watch. Um, we're hopefully going to have their head coach as a guest here on the uh, uh, podcast here in a few weeks and uh, so I'm kind of hoping that they're good because I'm I'm rooting for her and, and that team. So um, kind of watching draft and Stanton draft, though, uh, they they lost some some talent there. But I do think they have. Little soccer programs that it, it just seemed pretty good every year. So I just going to keep them as contenders. I just think Windsor Vaughn is going to get Stanton going and give them a chance. Yeah, I agree. I I so it sounds like we're picking both teams that made state tournament runs to win the districts again, despite graduating a lot of talent. Yeah, that's our deep, deep research here on the Xbox podcast. But I mean, prove us wrong. You know, that's what I'll say. I mean, a lot. How often in these area you see those good teams stay good? I'll, I'll take it. All right. We're going to do the same Sports for football, to be fair. Base- yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely true. Uh, baseball. I think this is the most interesting sport this spring where I think we have three teams in three different classes that could all represent the Shenandoah district deep into state play. Yeah. Fort Defiance, who is loaded with talent and they're they've been good in baseball and traditionally they're good in baseball. But I think this is an uptick year for them. I think they have a lot of the guys you know, where they need to get, be to really lead this team deep into the playoffs. They have guys going to UVA and all over the place for baseball. They've been playing together for a long time. So I think Fort Defiance is probably the favorite, even though they're new to the district and it's not like they won states last year or anything. I think Fort Defiance is the favorite for baseball. Patrick Height was on a week or two ago and talked about how he's writing a uh, series of reports from Fort Defiance articles about them. I think that'll be interesting to read all year, but I do think they're the favorite. But then you have Stewart's draft who went to a state semi last year. They have a lot of talent back. 
And you have Riverheads, who was in a state semi last year, a lot of talent back. They've won two state championships in the last 10 years. You know, those are all three good programs who I think could really battle themselves all throughout the regular season. And then each one of them represent that Shenandoah district deep into state playoffs. And I think that would be awesome if we could get, I mean, we've seen, we've seen teams individually, we've seen two teams, but how cool would it be to have at each class one, two, and three have a team at the state playoffs. That would be incredible. I agree. And I, you know, it's interesting. We talked about the sport of the future first. Now we're going to America's pastime. And I think you're right. I think this is the sport where you see not only maybe the best chance for multiple teams to make deep runs in the postseason, but also the sport that has, I think, the most interesting battle for the district. You picked Fort. I'm not saying that's a bad pick, but, uh, you know, you mentioned Riverheads and Draft. I think both of those teams could also. I mean, I, I think if you yeah. came to me and said, yeah. you think, and it's any of those three teams, you'd have a real argument for that because all of those teams are going to be making uh, a great season. They all have very talented teams. And I know Riverheads came up just short last year. Same with Stewart's Draft on, you know, winning a state title. Fort, I think, is going to be interesting to see what they do once they get done with the district. How deep can they go? Region 3C is always tough, but how deep can they go? Can they get out of that region? Can they get into a Class 3 state tournament? And if they do, how deep can they go there with the amount of talent they have? Yeah, it should be for an interesting season. Basically, any games between those three teams is what I've highlighted. Um, I know I wrote down the ones at Riverheads just because that's the closest to my house to try to make it to those. Um <laughs> And so it'll be interesting to see those teams play against the team I'm more familiar with. You know, I'm more familiar with what Grant Painter and Brayson Fulton are, and uh, Elijah Dunlap are doing at Riverheads. All those guys being back from a team that went to the state semis last year. It'll be interesting to see how these other teams match up. I will say this, as much credit as I give those three teams, additionally good baseball team who won states not that long ago they're going to beat one of these teams at some point in the season too. So they're, they're not going to get, get these teams aren't going to just go unscathed and only beat up on each other. I think Wilson's going to, you know, have their impact. I just, if I had to pick a winner, it's coming from these three and uh, I really think they'll go deep. Yeah. Wilson will be interesting. Uh, I, I do think the Shenandoah district will have two baseball teams make it into that class uh, region three C tournament. Uh, unlike basketball where we only saw the one, I think you'll see two both Wilson and Fort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right. Softball riverhead softball. They lost in the state semis last year to Auburn uh, gap softball has been very good program throughout. Um, and then Fort defiance is always strong in softball. Um, I actually assistant coached the JV team only for games one year. So I give them a lot of credit. I, th- I think they have that the legend breed in there. But anyway, I'm giving the favorite there. I'm kind of saying Riverheads are Fort Defiance, so I'm kind of picking as the favorites. And I know that's hedging my bets. That's picking two. That's wrong. It's just Fort Defiance coming in the new district. I'm giving them some credit there because they have been good. If I, I mean, I know I think I'm probably being biased with my Riverheads, so that's why I probably put the slash in there between them. But I think those are the is the class of the Shenandoah district with Gap kind of being one off and could easily slide right up into that top spot. Yeah, I do think the experience that Riverhead's got with that state semi-run last year will help. Uh, and I I would expect them to run through Region 1B again. And I just don't have a lot of respect for that region, I guess, in, in sports. It's not Riverhead's fault. I'm not one of those people that says the only reason Riverhead's is so successful is because they're Class 1. I, I think in a lot of sports they could give a shout in Class 2 as well. But I will say that Region 1B is 
not anything to write home about. So I, I would expect the Riverhead softball thing, to make another run. The funny thing about that debate is like, oh, people always bring it up in football season. Well, in football is probably where football, they, that's the one. It. Yeah, that's the <laughs> one where they could win class two most years or at least be in the state championship game most years. But also, but I'm saying the rest of the region in region one B, like Sussex has been to state championships. Surrey has won state championships in their past. Central Lunenburg used to be a storied program. Yeah, but like they're not. They have well, William Campbell is not that far removed from Alta Vista is really not far removed from being very good. Like they have all these programs that have a winning tradition in that region. And that's the one that they get dominated the worst at. Um, but yeah, I think they're super weak in basketball. And I agree with a lot of these spring sports. I just don't have a lot of respect what region one B does. I think that's, I, 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 I mean, Riverheads comes in hot for those regions and, and that's why they have so many teams perform well in the spring sports is because I do think competition level one B is a little weaker. The other problem I have with that argument in football is if that was the only reason Riverheads was winning state championships, then eventually some of these class two teams and class three teams would beat them and they don't. So stop, stop bringing it up in football because you look foolish when you yeah. say the only reason you're winning state championships is because you play in a bad classification. Okay, well, they just beat you by three scores, so why didn't you win? <laughs> yep. All right, we shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, talk football in the middle of the spring sports preview, but I, I brought it up. Um, so, yeah, softball, I give it kind of riverhead sport with Gap kind of going to be in that, that other wild card in there. I know Wilson's pretty decent at softball, too, as well. I think it's a competitive softball district in, in district. All right, let's get to the hard court in tennis. Um, full disclosure, not my, not my cup of tea here. These other spring sports I will be, when, when it comes to baseball, softball, soccer, I'll be invested in. Tennis, I like tennis. I respect tennis. It's just really hard for me to watch tennis matches or get super involved. Uh, but this is where Wilson well, t- tends to shine. Yeah, Wilson boys were dominant last year. It's just hard for me to think they wouldn't be dominant again this year. For some reason, and this is just this is why we're not real news, I think their coach left, but I can't remember if he oh did or not. Gosh. I think he went to something else, but uh, I think I think they're going to be good. They still have talent on that team, and I think they weren't even touched last year. So I, I think they'll be very good and have a good chance of getting out getting out of the region because I believe and George Mason's not in that region anymore, and George Mason was the team in their way last year. Yeah, um, come to the exports for your reckless speculation <laughs> with coronavirus <laughs> and tennis coaches in high school. Coaches so. leaving, yeah, yeah. Um, hey, you're on Twitter. Interact with us. Tell us if the Wilson, tell us if the Wilson coach tennis there. coach is still there or not. <laughs> uh, girls tennis. Uh, gosh. Fort, Fort Defiance usually good. Riverheads was good last year. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but with Fort Defiance, you know, being the bigger school, they have more people to draw from. That helps them here. And I think Fort Defiance is the favorite there. Yeah. I agree. Probably the favorite, but I, I still could see Riverheads going deep. They had that double yeah. pair in the state final last year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and they've been great the last couple of years. And uh, so I think they keep that going in the, in the postseason. I just think during the regular season, they're probably gonna have a tough time with Fort. Uh, and also Wilson girls tennis is also solid. So uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting there. Jumping down to track. Yeah. Tracks just made, I think more individually at this point in this area right, right now. I know gap. Uh, girls in the past have been pretty good in track. Uh, Riverheads boys have won a state title probably man, probably more than 10 years ago now. But I think really the, I looked back at the news the last couple of years from track. It's a lot of individual things. So I'm interested to watch 
the long distance from Fort Defiance. They did really good last year. They have really good cross country at Fort Defiance. So I think watching that group there, uh, watching some of these sprinters, particularly at Riverheads, some of the, the gap girl sprinters and long distance runners, I think that's the kind of the areas to watch and see if we can get some, I, I think we're probably shooting more for some individual state champions from this area. I wish them the best. Um, Leland will have to tell me how they do because I have immense respect for people who do track. It's something that I have almost no interest in. And even during the Olympics, I do not watch it. Oh, really? No, man. Watching like the 100 in the Olympics is like... The 100 is the one thing I watch. That's the one thing I'll watch because it's short. It's awesome. I I, I actually like it. Uh, I'll probably like it. My wife likes it a lot, so... Uh, her and again, ran a lot of track. look, they're super interested yeah. in that. That's nothing awesome. Good it. for them. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm interested in soccer. 90% of our audience d- isn't. So <laughs> I get it. What it's like to Keep be on my, that. yeah, I get, I get what it's like to be a minority in terms of your sport interests, but no, uh, this no is something it's really not. It's pretty cool though. Like, no, it's not. I've done it. <laughs> no, it's Have you? I've had it. to cover I like one. I, go, man. I had to cover one. It's brutal to cover. God bless them. They're way more athletic than I ever was. Covered a track meet on the radio. It was uh, television online. Uh, At least there was a visual. I don't know. Oh, if it was just radio, radio, we wouldn't have done it. Yeah, there's no way to do it. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, anyway, I I've enjoyed track meets I go to, uh, but I also don't. I haven't been for some years. But I I'm interested. Hopefully, we get some good individuals in the area, and uh, we'll see what we can get out of that. Uh, scrimmages are starting up. Uh, they were been last week, rolling into this week. Non-district starts at the end of this week or middle of this week, actually. Uh, so season's going right now. And then, uh, the, the district season, I don't know if I said this all right. The non-district starts now. District season starts in the middle of April. So, uh, it'll be fun to get everything going here and, um, Springs always goes by quick. The, the spring season always just flies by. So make sure you get out to games, check out some of these teams. And uh, we look forward to bringing some updates throughout the regular season. And as you've heard, it's going to be soccer and baseball focused, soccer, baseball, softball focused. <laughs> so, uh, but if you're, fun. if you're tearing it up in track, we'll sing your praises. Tennis too. Hey, interact with us on Twitter and we will talk about it. If we, yeah. we got to know, force us we to talk about it. On. Force <laughs> us to talk about it. Let's go to the D block. All right, Leland, let's get ready to close this thing out. We are in the D block. Let me kick it off this week with what is dominating my life. Um, and I'm I'm actually going to have two, so bear with me. Um, we'll get through the one you don't care about first, which is Liverpool is two wins away from winning the Premier League after a disappointing 3-0 loss to Watford, who I'm pretty sure is bottom of the table. They came back and Watford, won. Watford, is that who we got our basketball coach from? Yep. Uh, they beat Bournemouth two to one early Sunday morning in a match that I did not get up for because that time changed. But uh, they won two to one. Now with Manchester City losing in the Manchester Derby to rival Manchester United, that's a lot of Manchester's. Uh, that means Liverpool only needs two more wins if Manchester City plays a game in the middle of the week and on the weekend. If they lose both, Liverpool wins the league no matter what happens the rest of the year. It's over. But if Manchester City loses just one, that means Liverpool could win it in their next Premier League match, 
which is against Everton, who is their rival in the Derby. Crosstown rival Everton at Everton, which would be chef's kiss beautiful. So their magic number is two. Right now it's two. If Manchester City were to lose, I think their match is on Wednesday. Or if they were to lose on Saturday, either one of those, it would drop to one. So what, how many more games, matches are there? There are nine. Okay, well, that's, you got plenty of time here. With the oh, they're going to win. Two. Yeah, they're going to win the league. It's over. Yeah. But the Champions League fixture for Liverpool is this week, too. That is a bigger deal because they need to win that by two. And, like a 2 nil win against Atletico Madrid would put them through. That's what the magic number. This? What, what day that's is this Wednesday. Pop up my that's Wednesday. Wednesday. All right. All right. The other thing is a TV show that I highly recommend called The Stranger on Netflix. It's a British TV show. Uh, if you happen to watch the show The Bodyguard, it's got that kind of feel to it. It's very high pace, super fast pace, intense. Uh, really good show. It's about this guy who this random stranger comes up and says, hey, uh, your wife faked a pregnancy two years ago. And that kind of unravels all of this stuff. And it just turns into basically this woman who is the stranger goes to these people reveals secrets some of them she tries to get money from and extorts them for blackmail which she's not a hero but some of them she says because these people are telling damaging lies and that's she has a vendetta against people who lie uh the show goes off in a bunch of different areas and a bunch of different ways super interesting show though and uh i started it this weekend and i finished it this weekend so that tells you I couldn't get away from it. Interesting. That does sound interesting. I might have to give that one a try. All right. So I assume while you were Netflixing in the last week or two, you finished up some BoJack? I did. I finished that up Friday night, I think. I texted you Saturday morning, I think. So BoJack wrapped up, and we've talked about BoJack so many times on this podcast. We both highly recommend it for people. The ending has not been as strong as the rest of the series. Um I think they decided they needed to end it and maybe they left some on the table. Maybe, I don't know. It, it just wasn't as good down the stretch and, uh, but still worth watching and still worth watching all the way through. Cause you got to know how it ends. Um, spoiler alert. If you're going to watch Bojack and don't want it spoiled, cut this off for two minutes. I wasn't allowed to do this, but okay. It's true. I didn't let you do this. I talked right over you when you did it. Mm-hmm. I just, we said weeks ago before we saw how it was going to end, we thought Bojack is not going to make it out. I think it would have been better if he hadn't. Yeah. So there's a spoiler alert. Anybody can come back now. I just, it seemed like that's the way it had to go because there had been other major events happening to characters throughout the series. I just thought that had to be part of his story. But, I um, overall love the series. I've tried desperately to get people around me to watch it, and I've been very uh, much a failure at that. I know I can't get anybody to watch it, but it's so good. There's so many good episodes. Uh, there's just great storylines, great stretches, great characters. Um, the depth of the show is so much more supporting that even within the episode, there's a lot going on. And so, like, if you pay attention to it, you can get so much out of it. There's like 
a joke going on in the background that's happening while the joke right in front of you is happening. It's just, you can really get a lot going in the episode. I really enjoy it. And uh, I want people to watch this show and talk to us about it on Twitter because I don't get any interaction with real people in my life about it other than you, Joe. I know. I tried to text you about it and you didn't text me back. Um, But (laughs) maybe it's just... Lila wants to talk about people, not me, about BoJack. Yes. When did you text me about it? I texted you about this... Friday night? Weren't we like at a basketball game? (sighs) It was either Friday night. Yeah, but I was doing stuff afterwards. Uh, no, this was Thursday night. Well, this was before, this was Thursday night. I texted life. you, um, because I didn't bring it up Friday. But uh, anyway, I'll say what I said to you in the text. It felt like BoJack was trying to make a bigger point, and then it just never happened. And I think the bigger point would have been, like we said, if it would have ended like we had predicted. It didn't. They chose to go a different route, and it just kind of ends. And it was like, okay. Um, I don't know. I felt like the whole last season was just not very good, but that seems to be what happens to shows I love now. You, you tested, texted me at eight sixteen in the morning. I'm sorry. I, I was, I probably started working and just never came back to it. That's why I did. Yeah. I remember not, to, I was going to say, I, I had forgotten. I didn't text you in the middle of the night. Cause I was like, this is late. I'm not going to text him right now. I'll text him in the morning about it. Eight sixteen is probably sixteen minutes too late. You hit me before eight. I got oh a chance. Oh my gosh! You could have you could have just replied to it later in the day, though. Super disrespectful. I, never, I probably read it and never came back. Great. All right. What I know that you need to know, and I assume everybody knows this. I know you know this. Uh, coach Hatcher, Jared Hatcher, former head coach at Lee, won the state title with them as head coach. Uh, he's since then, not been the head coach. He has now been hired as an assistant at Bridgewater, and I'm happy for him. I'm happy that, um, you know, a guy that um, has lived his whole life as involved with basketball coaching. His dad, the best high school basketball coach in the state of Virginia all time, um, just set records, has a book written about him, state titles, hanging up in the gym. You know, he's grown up with that, and that's been his life. And, um, you know, he went right into it and coaching in the program and then being the varsity head coach, winning the state title. I'm glad to see him that he'll be back involved uh, with the basketball team on the sidelines and and even at the different level. I think that's a really cool opportunity for him to, you know, kind of live a different path than what his dad did. You know, his dad wasn't a big time college coach or or, or any level big uh, uh, college coach. So here's his opportunity to get involved there at Bridgewater. And I think he'll be good for them. And, I, you know, he knows the area. He has a lot of ties with um, a lot of the state. And so I think he'll do a really good job at Bridgewater. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him rise up uh, there or somewhere else because of how, how well he does there. And, and I'm rooting for him. Yeah, I'm rooting for him, too. It's nice to, uh, you know, see how he does there. And hopefully it, it ends up being kind of a redemption story there at Bridgewater. And he can build that program back up and uh, have a successful basketball program there. The ODAC is... Uh, not a conference where you're destined to fail in Division Three. Uh, it's it's actually quite well represented athletically uh, in terms of when they get to D three playoffs. So uh, baseball, in particular, they win national championships at D three. But uh, not to say the other sports can't have deep runs themselves. And I think Bridgewater basketball is not a terrible oh, program. Yeah, they're not a terrible program, and I think they've they've got a good shot there. And like you said, I think the connections he has not only in the area, but throughout the state will help him in recruiting yeah. that D3 type talent. And I think it will be interesting to see who he can get to come to Bridgewater there early on 
and where those players come from. I would not be surprised to see some local kids end up there because I think there are some kids that if they put in the effort might have a D3 future ahead of them. And if they put in that effort there at Bridgewater, that's even better because it's, it's, it's one of our local teams that we can continue to support. Yeah. So that's good news for uh, coach Hatcher there. And uh, we'll probably get more Bridgewater updates here in the future just because he's there. All right. What do you know that I need to know? Okay. So after I created what I called John's team, um, he gave me a different name. He wanted to be called the Philly special. So we heard the Philly special uh, and Leland created his team. I did not notice that. He didn't give him a logo though, which I thought I'm, was interesting. He also picked some I'm, of the players the legends, that are on both I'm of the our teams. And everything, but and so I was. I he was, also had a problem with your logo that you given John Leonard, but the legends. That's a real. That's a Cooperstown Legends team. I know uh, you. You applied it to John Leonard. That's inappropriate. Uh, I am the legend. That's well, my nickname. So whatever. that's where you I also was. didn't play the game right because you picked players from both of our teams, but. I tried not to where I could, but I had to pick certain players that were on y'all's team. I really made an effort not to pick players on y'all's teams, but there was ones I had to. Right. So let's go over position by position. Because remember, John Leonard said in a joke, well, is this lineup playing, you know, a one game for the fate of humanity? And I said, sure, Space Jam. So John Leonard, his Philly special team, at catcher, he has Roy Campanella. The Monstars are taking Johnny Bench advantage. Monstars, Leland, you and the can't disagree. Have Johnny Bench as well. Yes. I had to have Johnny Bench. First base, Philly special took Lou Gehrig. Monstars took Albert Pujols advantage. Monstars. And we're going to include my team too. The Legends. I'm I'm letting Pujols. you read your team. Yes, it's your team. I'm letting you have it. Um, well, before you decide, uh. The, the advantage for each one of these, make, make sure I get my word in. Pool host, I had to pick pool host. I've seen that guy Homer, and that was one of those, like, when it happened, even though I had many cream sodas involved when it happened. Sure. Uh, I watched him Homer, and I knew I had just seen, like, an all-time legend Homer in a baseball game, and uh, he's he's the best first baseman I've ever seen play the game. I really believe so. Second base, I think, when I was doing this, I had a lot of fun doing this, and I've sent John some messages. He doesn't know who's on these teams, so he's finding out as all of our listeners are. I told him this, though. Second base is by far the most disappointing position in the history of baseball. He took Eddie Collins, who, yeah, sure, give him a shout. I took Rogers Hornsby for the Monstars <laughs> because that's my, really one, good pick. that's my one old-timey player because I was like, man, this position is just downright terrible. I like your pick, though. And, Hornsby's probably the right pick, and so I. But I, I wasn't. I didn't have to pick him. Uh, like it wasn't that obvious to me. So I went with Roberto Alomar because I believe he's yeah. the best second baseman I've ever seen play the game. And uh, he was so good, and he was good at the plate. I, I mean, he wasn't, you know, a power hitter at second base, but I mean, he was on base constantly, and he could put one out. Um, we talked last week. We brought up Joe Morgan, which I that was. I just had to decide between Joe Morgan and Roberto Alomar, but also. If anybody wants to put Jackie Robinson in there, I, I wouldn't argue with that either. I mean, I think yeah. that's that's he's worth me. I know his fame is, uh, you know, integrating baseball, but he's a heck of a second baseman. He was really, really, really good. Yeah. I mean, they they had to play him because he was awesome. They had to include like he was really good. So I I I struggled at second base a little bit because there isn't one guy that just completely stood out. I think Ron mentioned what like Ryan Sandberg 
all the guys we mentioned are ahead of him. And uh, yeah, I'll but I mean, that. but yeah, I don't think it's by miles. Like I think second base is just no, an yeah. absolute, I mean, you know, cluster of players that are are in the same realm of talent. I just, it's not a very good position either. I didn't take Joe Morgan because uh, John had mentioned the possibility of taking him. So I didn't, even though he didn't make his starting lineup, which is the only thing we're listing, I didn't take him. I'm still taking Roberto. He's the first, he's the best one I saw. I, I saw love Roberto. If I, yeah. If I saw guys play live, it really it made an impact on my list. I know if he goes into the hall of fame, it'll be as a blue Jay, but I loved him when he was an Oriole. Uh, moving on to shortstop, continuing around the diamond, John took Honus Wagner. Big mistake. He gave me Cal Ripken Jr. <laughs> uh, <Big> mistake. <laughs> advantage me. Uh, but you picked a th- different shortstop. I, I did. Cal Ripken would be who I picked if no one picked ahead of me. But I did want to bring up George Brett. I did not realize that's third base. We're not at third base yet. We're we're okay. at shortstop. We're continuing around the diamond. We're still in the middle infield. I didn't. I wasn't listening to you. Apparently, uh, Ernie Banks. Awesome. I had to pick him. I think that's the right answer. You think he's better than Cal? I. I still. I what I said about Cal. I was uh, being accurate. I guess I just got my mind jumped because Cal played third base at the end of his career. But Ernie Banks, Cal Ripken is probably who I would have selected because I saw him play live and during my lifetime. But Ernie Banks, looking at numbers and everything and just everything that goes into it, I think Ernie Banks is better than Honus Wagner, which is Honus Wagner is very good. And I'm not as dismissive, but man, Ernie Banks was awesome. Yeah, he was good. Um, I I like Ernie Banks better than I like Honus Wagner. So played the game. Yeah. Uh, third base. <laughs> we know who Leland picked already because he alluded to it. Yeah, so I jumped my brain jumped. Uh, I don't like your pick. I love Trevor Jones. Trevor Jones, my boy. I put Schmidt and George Brett ahead of Trevor Jones. Yeah, I would pick Mike Schmidt. I think if I could have my pick of anyone, but John picked him. So obviously, I'm going to say advantage John and Philly special yeah. at third base. I'll I did take that, Chipper that. Jones. Yep. I like Chipper. Chipper Jones is a really good hitter. He's good defensively. I think he plays the game well, but so does Mike Schmidt. Um, I actually picked true left, center, and right. John picked three picked, outfielders, which is fine. I picked three outfielders. That's fine. Um, and left field is advantage John because he picked Mike Trout. I picked Ricky Henderson because when he gets on base, he's going to steal me some bags. Love um, that pick. Yeah, I yeah, like Ricky Henderson. The outfield the is so good. On our teams. I don't know, but we know yours. Yeah, outfield is so good. It is such a yeah. There are a lot of good outfielders in the history of baseball. Um, None of our outfield picks between the three teams is wrong. Right. I know who. Um, just say who you ended up putting in left field. I have Willie playing over and left. Okay. I had to include Willie Mays. And but I last I talked last week. Oh, I had to have in center. It was Kinger Jr. And that's the same as you. Uh, it, I had to put Willie in left. I needed that better fielder in left field. Okay, so just to recap, as we go into center field, the Monstars have advantage in four. Philly Special has advantage in two. We get to center field, King Griffey Jr. versus Willie Mays. This one, I still think King Griffey Jr. is just better than Willie Mays. Willie Mays is really, really good, but I think King Griffey Jr. is better. And so I'm going to say advantage Monstars, but you know what? Uh, well, I would say advantage Monstars, but for the sake of this, let's say push. 
Yeah, and that's why I like having Willie Mays in left field because he's better than Ricky Henderson. But I love Ricky Henderson. Ricky Henderson's one of my favorite all-time sports personalities. Kind of an a-hole, I'll admit that. But, mm-hmm. man, he was good at baseball. And uh, he was so fun to watch. This is not a push. Philly Special put Babe Ruth in right field, and there is no way that alcoholic is going to stumble his way to catching enough fly balls there to stop my team from getting inside the park home. Ricky Henderson, this is the advantage of Ricky Henderson, too. I don't know why I'm thinking he's going to steal bases. He's just going to slap it into right field, and Babe Ruth's going to trip over his own shoelaces, (laughs) and he's going to get inside the park home run every time he comes up to the plate. So in right field, I put Frank Robinson, another great outfielder that I love, advantage Monstars. Yeah, I got Ted Williams over there. Ted Williams knocking over there. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, pretty solid. I would take him over Babe I, Ruth. I know you would, and I'd take him over Frank Robinson myself. No, I wouldn't, but I wouldn't take him over Frank, but I I like Ted Williams more than I like Babe Ruth. Uh, John took my DH. I gave him, I know he said Edgar Martinez, but he said if he could have any hitter, it would be Barry Bonds. That's what we're doing here. So I gave him Barry Bonds. I would have taken Barry Bonds. Instead, I took Hammer and Hank Aaron. Uh, and by the way, I could put Hank Aaron in right field and Frank Robinson at DH. I'm okay either way. I just needed to pick one for right field and one for DH. Yeah. I'm going to hammer it out with Hank. just like you did. Yep. Yep. And uh, yeah, you took Cameron Hank too. I will say it's interesting. I'll call this one a push. Uh, if we're taking the PEDs out of the equation, maybe Barry Bonds isn't as formidable of a power threat. He's still a really good baseball player. So for the sake of argument, I'll say push. We're now at five, two, and two. I've seen Barry Bonds hit a home run live too. Pitchers. And it was like early, early steroids. <laughs> right, right. It was pitchers. It was candlestick steroids. Pitchers. <laughs> Philly special took Pedro Martinez. I did look back at his career numbers. Man, he was really good. But yeah, I, I took the big unit on the bump. This is another position where there's a lot going into this decision. I went with the big unit. I watched Stare him blow up. A, I watched him blow up a bird. So <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think he is going to fan Babe Ruth every time that tub of lard comes up to the plate. I don't like Honus Wagner's odds or really Eddie Collins of getting too many base, putting the ball in play too often against the big unit. Lou Gehrig, maybe um, Mike Trout and Willie Mays. Absolutely. Mike Schmidt. Yes. But Bonds, yes. But, um, yeah, I, I don't – there's not a whole lot in that lineup on the Philly special that I think is going to touch Randy Johnson, and I think my hitters are going to be able to smack Pedro around a little bit. Anybody from the 1995 Mariners were likely going to be my picks. Um, so I'll let you have Randy Johnson. I mean, I, I'd be happy to go with Edgar, a DH, and Jay Buhner out and left, and uh, a young Alex Rodriguez at short – any of the, I would take any 95 Mariner because that's just who I am. But I still stuck with my Nolan Ryan pick on the mound because I want that guy that might get hit in the face and be bleeding down his jersey and is still. These guys on the opposing team gets out of line and charges the mound. I want the guy that's going to put them in a headlock and just start beating on the top of their head. So I went Nolan Ryan. I understand the contrary opinions that John brought up last week to Nolan Ryan putting guys on base. He'll get out of the jam. He's just. He's going to put the team on his back. 
out of any of these pitchers that we talk about, if, that that dude will will that team to victory. If you're playing the Philly special, yes, I'm not as worried about the people he might walk. <laughs> if you're playing the Monsters, I would be very worried about the people he might walk. Only Ricky. Ricky's the only one stealing. Yeah, but the other guys are going to mash. <laughs> so is all our teams. What are you talking about? All these teams are no power laden. John has some power, but that has his lineup has a lot of holes. I don't know. It, it was fun going Here's, through this. It was fun. And I look, do, I'm I'm giving John I, a hard time. I do really appreciate him doing this. And I told him I have a lot of fun doing this. And you can debate all of this. He we're splitting hairs. We are we're splitting hairs. All, all these guys are Hall of Famer quality players. I mean, yeah. And, well, yes. Hall of Fame quality. Yes. Some might yep. not make it because of other stuff. Yes. But yes. yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's a lot of fun to do this. And just one more parting shot. Cause John knows I'm a big joker with him. Uh, the really disappointing part for the human race is unlike most big games where you would think, oh, okay, they're going to have a snake draft. I, I let the human race have their straight picks first. And then I picked the monsters after it. And I feel pretty confident that the monsters will win this matchup. I, I'm drawn to your team because it's so many guys that I saw play day after day while I was bigger, faster, stronger. I'm not as dismissive as the old guys to you. I mean, I think Honus Wagner is a heck of a lot better player than you do. And then obviously the the same debate we had last week. I mean, Babe Ruth is a player. He is a player. Oh yeah. He, he is a player. He did play baseball. You just like dismiss him that he was, he's nothing. I don't know if the game is what it is today without what he did. I mean, he, the, I don't know, man. I just, I'm not, I'm not against Babe Ruth and by any means in any way, I didn't put him on my team. I I'll, I'll give you that. I, I, is I Frank Thomas, I copied is, some of your players, but I'm taking, is I, Adam Dunn I, the I, best player in the history of baseball? Because Adam Dunn is probably actually a little bit better than Babe Ruth. I, I don't think so. I think Adam Dunn and Babe Ruth would have very similar numbers, except I think Adam Dunn would have had more home runs if Babe Ruth played it today. I just, I don't know why you're after, like why you're going to die on this, on this hill against Babe Ruth. Cause he's not good. I mean, he had 713 career home runs against noodle pitching compared to today. 713 no one else back then against noodle pitching had 713 home runs it's not like babe ruth beat somebody to 712 you know like i don't i don't want you to look it up bring it up next week any new 85 million dollar activities that you can't live without i just think it's bad and i don't think he's and it's 714 home runs in 22 seasons give give that alcoholic as many home runs as he lucked into is I thought 14 was Hank Aaron. I thought that was when he passed no, him. No, 715 was when he passed him. Um, what fucking one off. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, give give that alcoholic every home run because he needs them. He lucked into 714 home runs in his career. God bless him because he'd hit zero if he played today. He is not – I have no respect for him. Overrated. Most overrated player in the history of baseball. Easily. Yet you like Sandlot. Sandlot's okay. That's a pretty overrated movie if I'm being honest. Oh, no. Sandlot overrated? Uh, it's not Major League. 
My goodness, Sandlot is just awesome. It's not the natural. It's, it's not field. Of, it's not field of dreams. Field of dreams is better. It's, it's better than the natural. Major League and Sandlot are just two different things. One's Sandlot and one's field of good dreams and one's okay. Two different things. <laughs> the intent of the movies are just far different. I mean, yeah. it's also like coming of age. I, I agree. So I agree. I don't have a problem with Sandlot. I just think like when everyone, that's when you ask people what their favorite baseball movie, that's almost everyone. Everyone's like, I love the Sandlot. I'm like, man, I feel so bad for you because I just can't get into it that way. My goodness. Sandlot's so good. It never has nor ever will be my favorite. lost respect for you in this conversation. We argue about things every week and I never lose respect. And I think this one did. (sighs) That's fine. It's hard being right all the time, but that's the curse I bear. (sighs) I can't believe I didn't know that you didn't like Sandlot. It's not that I don't like Sandlot. I just think it's I overrated. Talk about this like in the first time I met you. Like I think I, your last name's Deck, like like a upper deck kind of situation. Okay, so how's the Sandlot? Like I can't believe that isn't how that went. <laughs> I don't think the term upper deck came from the Sandlot, so that's probably how it didn't come up. But I didn't mean it was. <laughs> I mean, I just I just think it's overrated like if you're if for as many people that say it's their favorite baseball movie it's overrated it's not my favorite baseball movie but it's like on my like i bring it up when i talk about yeah it's okay because... if it's in like your top five that's fine i'll hear top five but best get out that's my Field point dreams is better I, I, I give you that major league is better i like little big league better honestly oh god no I love little big league <laughs> no that's my jam Sandlot is better than little big league Little Big League. That's, offens- That's offensive. I, I just love that movie. Uh, to answer your $85 million question, I don't know. I don't think there's anything else I would put on there other than the Orioles in the office right now. What about you? There is literally nothing you could give up. Again, entertainment and stuff? Yeah, no, I'd give it up. Wow. You drew, I mean, you called it out, and I'm not trying to drive this home. I'm not. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be this guy, but like, the priorities in my life are a little different than yours. And I have a lot of external priorities that you don't have that like $85 million could just make their lives. I could give them everything that they need. I, I wouldn't give them everything they want. I don't, I really wouldn't spend money that way, but education paid for great, you know, getting a good step in life. Great. Um, you know, there could never be some kind of problem that I couldn't think I could solve for them. Like, you know, like material wise, you know, like sure. it's just, so it's just different. And so like, I'm not trying to drive that home. That's why I've kind of focused on you on it. Cause like that, that's the difference. That's the difference. That is like, the I difference. Probably, and that's before fine. all this, I probably would have been like, I can't give up being a Steelers fan or a Hokie fan, you know, like you would give up being a Hokie fan. You would literally not watch another Virginia tech athletic event for $85 million for $85 million. Yeah, I would. <sighs> and I, and I love Virginia tech as the most thing I love in sports and, and probably, 10 years ago, I probably would have not. I would have, oh, no, I wouldn't do that. Now I would. I get that. That's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, if I had $85 million, there's a lot of things I could do with it that would better myself and better people that I do care about in my life. But like my microphone for this podcast would sound better if, we, if I wanted to. Uh, we wouldn't dollars. have, we wouldn't be doing it on <laughs> Skype either. We'd probably just build a studio halfway between us and just drive there every week. But just for fun that would be the only use that building would ever have but um yeah no it yeah i I do love the office i've been watching the office i just started it again you sent me a funny thing it was like 
I've watched The Office. I think it was seventy times. It said. I wonder yeah, how many times I've watched than it. Last. <laughs> yeah, seventy. I'm like ah, seventy. I have no idea. Like I've watched it so many times. I honestly couldn't even give you an accurate guesstimate because I've just every time I finish it, I'm like time to restart, and I just restart it. I don't even think Those about it. Those first three seasons. I mean, each episode I've probably I'm probably can I be the, you were talking I, I about losing like in the forties. I think I'm in the forties on each episode in the first three seasons. Yeah, like. <sighs> When you said, I watched those first three seasons so much. Now, see, I always watch it beginning like in the to past, end. Like I always watch like, it beginning no, to I'm end. Saying, I don't stop and like, yeah. No, 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 no. But I've been rewatching Office while it, even when I was still on. Like I came into it when it was in season two or three, somewhere in there, and then I, I was immediately watching reruns and stuff. And then TBS started showing it. So like, mm-hmm. I've been rewatching sure, as sure, it sure, was sure, still sure. going. So I've seen those first three seasons. It's in the forties. It, it's got to be. But for me, like, when you said you lost respect for me because you thought I didn't like Sandlot, which, again, I'm not saying I don't like Sandlot. I just think it's a little overrated. But when people – I saw somebody say, oh, you know, the people that say they only watched the first season and then gave up on it, like, you have to watch more than the first season. If you don't like the first season, I don't respect you. Like, that season is really funny. I didn't get it, though. I didn't – I watched, like, a – the fourth episode in the first season. And I'm like, you just didn't know what was going on. And this boss is like kind of mean, like during season one, Michael Scott, isn't somebody you're rooting for. No, but that's not the point of the show. You're not supposed to be rooting for Michael Scott, the entire series. Then why did they make him such a warmer character in season two, three, because they wanted to make, they wanted to show the human side of him. The characters develop in this show. Unlike other shows, i.e. friends, i.e. big bang theory. I get it. If someone says they only watched a little bit of season one and just couldn't get into it because Mm. like Michael is so unlikable and he's the one driving that show. But when you watch season two, you understand like, you understand why he is the way he is. So you care about him more. Like I, I get when people say that, but you just got to do it. You got to, if you, if you, if you watch season two or part of season two or something and don't like it, then I don't get hit you. Then I don't understand you. Cause season two is so great. Season three is so great. Like, like those are the best two seasons. See, of that you show. say that, and but episode, the is. pilot is so good. Ep- episode two pilot though. Diversity day. Hilarious. You can't, you can't give the pilot all the credit because that's a shot-for-shot remake of the British pilot. Okay, but it's part of the series. It is, but I, I season two and three are the best. Are the best. Maybe in because terms of beginning you- to end of the season, but I, I do love, like, I, I love the pilot. I love Diversity Day. Basketball is in season one. Healthcare is in season one. Like, so many great episodes. The one episode that I thought was maybe the weakest in season one was the one where they had Amy Adams guest star. That's the finale. Um, but there's only six episodes in season one, so your percentage is shooting pretty high in season one. I get that. Yeah, I think five of the six are great. I just think season two, they do such a good job with development of well, the but- Pam Jim stuff, and they don't bite too early with that. Like They yes. do ride it out about as long as you can without it being stupid. And so, like, I... I, I don't know. That's how I feel. Yeah, and I will say, season two is where the character development starts. Season one is, here are the characters. This is a story. And they tell the story in the first six episodes. You get to meet all the characters. That's the introductions. Season two is then developing those characters. And the rest of the series is developing those yeah. characters. That's why it's a really good show. And people who don't get that, I, I don't have respect for them. So there, I'll say it. <laughs> hey, Mom. 
just because you haven't watched The Office doesn't mean Joe hates you. No, I don't hate people who have never watched <laughs> The Office. It's just if you watch The Office, it's people that have watched The Office and then are like, I just don't think it's funny. I'm like, okay, well, I don't think you're funny, so get out of here. Um, <laughs> those are the people I don't have time for. That's the negativity that I can't have in my life. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, let's get out of here. Uh, we are always available at Yak Sports Pod on Twitter or Facebook. Email us at yaksportspod at gmail.com. Uh, make sure you're telling your friends to subscribe to us at Podbean, Apple, Google, or Spotify because uh, we want to be sharing this information with everybody because we just really bring the in-depth uh, knowledge of 1950s baseball players and uh, the office. That's what we're really good at. Meanwhile, we tend to mention some high school sports. Uh, make sure you're back with us next week. We'll wrap up what the Riverheads girls were able to do with the state playoffs, and then we'll have some finals and some plenty to talk about. Make sure you're listening to us, and we'll talk to you then. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.